the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubule Agbayani. morning beautiful people good morning good morning it's wake up in the den kule agbayani back here at home in hawaii also paul brechton here in studio Whew, what a wild weekend um unfortunately though i did not win my f1 money i unfortunately so <sighs> didn't play that much though in full disclosure i surprisingly didn't play a lot in las vegas but nonetheless uh did not win my f1 money but it's okay you know what we live to see another day as i mentioned as i always mention you never want to um gamble any more than you're willing to lose so that way you're stress free and it was just pure entertainment but it, it's nice to be back uh, i got in late last night and of course looked at all the things that I missed, including things happening in the sports world and, of course, the Oscars that were last night. That was pretty cool, um, which we'll get to a lot more detailed discussion of the NFL later, a little later in the show and also uh, coming up probably throughout the rest of the week. As I can imagine, there's going to be a lot more uh, breaking news stuff that happens in terms of new free agency signings, com- signings coming out today, including the one our Paul over here is uh, anxiously awaiting in where Aaron Rodgers will end up as he is just getting trolled and trolled and trolled on Twitter with just everything and and not only by Aaron Rodgers but even the quote NFL insiders are having way too much fun as I think what it was it like a couple of days ago you had Adam Schefter basically saying and the news Jets fans have been waiting for and he like said news about someone else signing but Rappaport did the same thing this yeah. morning he said oh the big news the pack all Packers fans have been waiting for and then it was their all-pro kick returner being raised. Oh, my goodness. They're just having way too much fun. Uh, coming up also on the show, we will talk. We'll hear from what Rainbow Wahine head basketball coach Laura Beeman had to say following the announcement of where her team will end up in the first round of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament, as well as senior Callan Spiller. Uh, we'll get to the uh, recapping that amazing comeback win by the Rainbow Wahine to claim the Big West title coming back from 15 points down. But first, just want to fill everybody in on some of the breaking news this morning in terms of the NFL signings. And again, we'll get to more details about everything later, a little later on this show and probably tomorrow as well. Uh, coming most recently, Miami is giving, giving former Jets quarterback Mike White a two-year deal worth up to $16 million per sources. Another one that some Raiders fans might have been waiting for. Sorry, you are not getting Aaron Rodgers or, I mean, unless things get really crazy, but the Las Vegas Raiders are getting former 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, He will get a three-year $67.5 million deal, including $34 million guaranteed per sources. Uh, A lot of the big guys are getting paid and signed. Uh, Former Eagles defensive tackle Javon Hargrave has reached agreement on a four-year $84 million deal that includes $40 million guaranteed at signing with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Some of the other things coming through as well. There's just like a bunch of just, like I said, everyone's moving everywhere. Um, Of course, probably the big news that came, what was that Saturday? where the Bears made it official in trading out of that number one overall pick. 
Woo! Everything else. Oh, Jason Kelsey. That's right. Jason Kelsey is coming back. He talked it over. He tweeted about uh, talking it over with his wife and many many other friends. And he has decided to come back and return for another year. So the Eagles will get back their center. Woo! And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that have gone on. Uh, Austin Eckler is requesting permission to speak with other teams. Football's <laughs> like. You guys, this is going to be as if, you know, Friday we talked about the whole um, athletic director's position or committee. This is what today is going to feel like another emotional roller coaster as all of these moves are happening and play, people go everywhere. And um, Paul over here has to suffer through the day just waiting for Aaron Rodgers news. And well, you said now you've kind of come to the realization that he's just not going to go anywhere he's going to retire yeah i i've just succumbed to the the last 12 years of my jets fandom being so negative um i try i've been trying to stay positive stay positive but i haven't seen the jets make the playoffs since i've been able to drive a vehicle i am now 23 <laughs> years old um as whew, it's it's been a long time and uh i just i need it to stop <laughs> And I, the thing is, I, I can't even enjoy other Jets news because they're not going to make any other moves until they know who their quarterback is. And, so and then you have, oh. like, you're, you're, and you're so close to being good. You know, the Jets are that close, and they're, like, one quarterback away from actually being good. Oh, another thing to come on, the Texans have agreed to sign Case Keenum to a two-year contract as their backup quarterback behind the second overall pick in the draft. The deal can't become official until the start of free agency on Wednesday. So we're in the non-tampering period. <laughs> yeah, the the legal tampering. I, what, or illegal oh tampering period. What, yeah. what is, I don't even know. The, the, the NFL doesn't like that term. Oh, the negotiating period, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So they can begin negotiating their deals. So that's why... For the next couple of days, it'll be more of a agreed to is the term. And then the signings will all take place a little later. But that's kind of the stuff that's going on right now. All right. Getting to Rainbow Wahine basketball. Oh, my goodness. You guys. How amazing was that on Saturday and being in house? And, of course, your girl was going crazy, as she always does. And I think the fact that. The tournament is held in Henderson, gives Hawaii like this almost a more of a home court feel than it does for the other teams that technically live a lot closer. But because as we know, it's the ninth island, even though it's a little maybe about 20 minutes away from Las Vegas, a lot of Hawaii people live out there in the suburbs, live out in Henderson. So people make the travel. And of course, People like myself and a lot of people that I know make the travel from Hawaii to go support the team because when it used to be in Anaheim, because I went to a couple of the tournaments that were in Anaheim and naturally the California fans drowned out the Hawaii fans because you have that's an easy commute for a lot of their fans, all the Cal State schools and whatnot. But now it being in Henderson, Nevada. I'd say we every game I went to, it felt like we had more fans that were in attendance. So shout out to everyone that that made the trip and also those that came over from other parts of the country as well. And of course, in Nevada to go and support the both the men and women's teams. But of course, like I said before, leave it to the women to make everything better. As Now the spotlight's on, though. I mean, when you have so Hawaii 
They erased a 15-point deficit at the half. And I wish I took a screenshot because let the record show that at halftime, and I shouldn't have tweeted, tried to tweet it with the video. So that, that was because naturally when you go to these arenas, they don't have the best reception. So um, I tried to tweet with the video that, like down 15 points, but I still believe in this team basically at halftime. And then maybe about midway through the third quarter, I go to look at my Twitter and I'm like, dang it, it didn't set. <laughs> so I didn't end up posting it. But then, and then when they won, I'm like, oh, that would have been sweet. That let the record show that I believe that this team would, would pull it out and win because they have just been persevering this entire season, um, making it this far, and yes, defending their title, but losing key players, which got flown out on the red eye on Saturday. So that was cool that they were able to be there and watch and celebrate with the team this victory, but down 15 points at the half, come all the way back to beat UC Santa Barbara 61-59 and go back to back winning the Big West Conference title and punching their ticket into the big dance. This marked Hawaii's fourth Big West Championship title in 96. It was one of them. And this will be the third for Coach Laura Beeman, winning in 2016 and, of course, back to back. So twenty last year and then winning this year. Shout out to Coach B. I mean, she is just incredible. And it's it's interesting, right? Like before we kind of get into the, the game itself, just speaking about Coach B, like the fact that she can take this team, figure it out. And I've talked about I've seen people tweet about like, oh, starting one in seven, yada, 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 which, yes, of course. But they they stack their non-conference schedule for a reason. I mean, heck, they played Stanford, Oregon State. That's what she does to get her team to get her team prepared to be in those tough moments. Not only do they do that, but I've said it even when they did start off one in seven and, and you know, started losing players. I kept saying, I'm like, you know. But this is, it's almost like this is what Coach Beeman lives for. This is her MO. She gets her team playing their best basketball when it matters. And that's what happened here. Gave them the pep talk. They did not give up during that game. And it's just incredible to see. And not only that, but also the fact that she's lost quite a few amazing assistant coaches along the way. So it's almost like a Nick Saban thing, right? You're like, all right, okay, I'm going to lose assistant coaches, but... I'm still going to rock on and do my thing. And and shout out Coach Laura Beeman. I mean, she's just incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, I've texted you about this multiple times, how I've got this basketball coach crush on uh, <laughs> yeah. Laura Beeman, just because I think she is really an incredible leader. Uh, and you see it a lot of times. And there's this old statement or this old saying that when I was playing back in the day, they used to uh, say all the time how a lot of times – Teams are the embodiment of coaches, and I think that's a really uh, fitting statement here because let's, I mean, let's be real here. This team has gone through a lot of adversity this season. It's, you know, we've talked uh, that at nauseum at this point <laughs> uh, about the injuries that they've had to deal with. You know, they lost, they had the Big West Player of the Year last year, lost her to graduation you know, so already they had all these players who needed to step into new roles. So obviously, uh, a slow start to the season was kind of inbound. Uh, but these girls always believed. You know, these young women always believed in themselves, in the team. And Coach Beeman, she said it in the, the post game. You know how 
these girls always believed in the process. They mm-hmm. always believed in themselves and they trusted. And a lot of times that's what it takes. And, you know, they, they are as tough as they come. And I was texting with a few of my friends who uh, they work across the uh, women's college basketball scene. Uh, and I was like, oh, we have LSU in the first round. And they they were texting us. They were like, how tough are the Rainbow Wahine? Because LSU, they their non-conference schedule, they didn't really play anyone tough until they played uh, South yeah. Carolina. And they kind of got exposed in that. And I'm not trying to compare the Rainbow Wahine to <laughs> the undefeated South Carolina Speaking of Gamecocks, great coaches, but, I mean, Don Staley oh has goodness. built an incredible program there in South Carolina. So there you go. Like right. just having these, like you mentioned, just incredible leaders at the helm. And then it reflects in their teams and how they're able to find so much success. And that's what the game came down to. It really wasn't the fact that Santa Barbara was better than Hawaii by no means. Uh, Hawaii just knows how to play together and they have incredible talent and young talent. I mean, they're only losing Callan Spiller and McKenna Hare, who McKenna only plays like a few minutes. And then Callan Spiller, who has been has contributed a lot in this tournament. But at the same time, she's not like a their their main player. And Imani Perez and the freshman is coming into her her own. They have Nana Orgy that can play down low as well, who did incredible things. So this team is shaping up to just continue their success. And that's why when it came down to this game, I had faith that they could come back because of what it really seemed like is just Santa Barbara couldn't miss. I mean, they could not miss. And Hawaii, on the other end, just could not make anything. They both seemed like they got the same amount of looks, playing great basketball. And then both teams played great defense as well, forcing multiple shot clock violations on both sides. So the game itself, the play itself, was relatively even the entire time, except like I said, the the ball was like there were some incredible shots, like crazy shots that you're like, how in the world did that go in for Santa Barbara? And that was kind of the difference in the first half. But Hawaii never thought that they couldn't. They didn't believe they believed that they could come back. And that's what they did, uh, including tournament MVP Deja Phillips. Oh, my goodness. She was just amazing to watch down the stretch after getting into foul trouble. Lily Wahine Kapu named also named to the all tournament team allow, along with Deja Phillips. She kind of turned it on in the fourth quarter as uh, Wahine Kapu seemed a, l- a little off in the beginning. And and I was there, too. And it's almost like when you're courtside, you can really see it in the players' faces. She did. I don't know if it's she was just exhausted or something. but And you could tell in her play, even down the stretch. I mean, Lily had a couple of bad, like, reach-in fouls, like, within one minute to end the third quarter. And... But I think she fed off of the energy of Deja Phillips and then they just took over the game in that fourth quarter and it was beautiful to watch. But when we come back, uh, we're going to hear from what Coach Laura Beeman and Callan Spiller had to say following their selection show yesterday on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuale Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht on this Aloha Monday, talking and recapping all about that 
amazing Rainbow Wahine comeback victory over UC Santa Barbara to claim the Big West Conference title for the second consecutive year. Uh, so yesterday they had the selection show and the Rainbow Wahine were selected as the number 14 seed and they will take on the number three seed LSU in Baton Rouge. The Tigers are ranked number nine in the AP poll. So they're ninth overall, I guess you can say, but in their bracket seedings, they're um, they're number three. So Hawaii has quite the task for, for them set up right now, but as it's been the sentiment of this entire season, we still believe that they can pull anything through. LSU, smell issue. <laughs> but uh, this is head coach Laura Beeman and senior Callan Spiller were available immediately following the announcement. So this is a couple of things that head coach Laura Beeman had to say and basically just talking about the emotions first. Oh, it was great to watch the girls' reactions, the staff's reactions. Um, I think everyone was, you know, happily surprised about the 14 seed. Um, but it's always fun to see these kids get excited and for them to see the benefit of their hard work. You are a master of the pep talk, and you always have been. You always will be. And so I'm just curious, what was the first thing you told your girls when you heard that they're going up to Baton Rouge to face LSU? You know, uh, we all were in here together. I just watched their celebration. I actually didn't say a thing. I just wanted them to enjoy the moment, um, watch them get excited. We'll put together a good game plan on when we're going to get there. Um, kind of letting them be with family tonight for whoever has family here. Um, letting them enjoy it. We're all pretty tired still. So um, didn't say too much to them. Just kind of want to gather my thoughts and haven't watched enough LSU to know anything about them. So I think that they're really good. And real quick, travel plans. Have you? I mean, I know this really was just announced, but do you know how quickly you want to get out of Nevada and to Louisiana? You know, the sooner the better for me. So Tuesday at the latest. Um, I don't know if we can get out of here by tomorrow, but definitely Tuesday at the latest would be wonderful to get down there, get you know acclimated to the time, um, be able to walk around, show the kids around a little bit. This will be the first time for all, most of them, if not all of them, um, to, to be there. So want them to just feel really comfortable and have a lot of good familiarity. So hopefully no later than Tuesday. Last year, the phrase we heard a lot was they don't know what they don't know. Now they've been there last year. They know a little bit more, right? So how much of that experience kind of play into preparing for uh, for Friday night? Well, I think it, it it the experience helped us a lot last night. Um, they stayed very, very composed and never gave up. And being in a championship game before didn't hurt us at all. Um, they were rock stars last night. So I think the familiarity of how to, what to expect um, as far as just the kind of the pomp and circumstance, if you will, I don't know if that's the right phrase of just everything that the NC2A does. Um, it's, it's a big stage, every region, and they're doing a good job of making the women feel special at, you know, all regions all rounds. And so I think that will help that we were there last year. Um, Baylor did a great job of, of welcoming us. I'm sure LSU is going to do the same thing. So I think that experience is huge. You know, it's going to be a sold out show. We know that. Um, and I think that's great for our kids to play in front of another big crowd. You know, we had big crowd for Oregon state. We've played at places where we've had people, you know, including yesterday, including our home court. So, um, I think it's going to get us a little bit, but I think we'll turn it around and be okay with the crowd. And I think we'll enjoy playing in front of that bigger thing is what this does for the future of this program um, with what we have returning. 
and being a 14 seed, it just puts us in a great position for next year. To do this two years in a row, to move up a seed, what does that say kind of about the sustainability factor and how big a step is that for the program? It's huge. It's huge. You know, you want to give yourself every opportunity to get a good draw. I'm not saying LSU is an easy team at all. There, you know, there are three. Last year we got, an, they said they were two, but we got a number one last year and everyone knew that. So, you know, if we can end up one day being a 12 or a 13, um, that'd be outstanding. You want to give yourself every opportunity to advance as possible. And that was Rainbow Wahine basketball head coach Laura Beeman immediately following their selection show and heading into the NCAA tournament. Again, Hawaii get, draws the number 14 seed and will take on number three seed LSU in Baton Rouge. Uh, but as C- Coach Beeman kind of said towards the ending there, and, and Paul and I were actually talking about it uh, behind the scenes, as this is huge for the Rainbow Wahine, too. They they earned that spot that they moved up in seeding because they're officially back-to-back. And just to get that, it's a big deal. Like, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but that's just in the our level of basketball for lack of for lack of a better term moving up a spot and from what you were the previous year is really really huge where Paul Paul was joking about like if you you know you have quote unquote big time basketball like traditionally yeah like your your Yukons and whatnot if they move down a seed then it's a big deal so it's almost like flipping it over where we're not used to like oh my gosh we moved up a seed like a lot of people look at it the first they look at holy moly we got to take on LSU oh it's such a hard blah, 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 matchup, yada, yada, yada. It is, but I think it's important to really drill into the fact that Hawaii being able to move up in seeding is a really, really big, big deal for this program. Well, I sit here and I think about it um, just out of pure time zone. We just had the time change, obviously, um, where it's, I think it's six hours now, the time difference to the East Coast to Hawaii, where like a lot of times you're not getting the same type of uh, exposure that these other schools are getting on television. So not only is uh, the Rainbow Wahine team able to play on national television now, they're playing, I think it's on ESPN2, uh, against a, a team as a 14 seed. Because they moved up as that 14 seed, now they're taking on number three LSU, who has been in the national spotlight this year. They have a player in Angel Reese who, you know, at one point she was in the conversation for National Player of the Year. She was a McDonald's All-American. There are going to be a lot of eyes on this game, and that helps when it comes to recruiting. And when you see this Hoy program, they're continuing to trend up. You mentioned it in the last segment how this team is young. Like, they're losing two players, two players in their rotation, obviously. But they're also, we talked a lot about it, they lost three starters this year to season-ending injuries who a lot of them are young. Mm-hmm. Like, they have freshmen or redshirt sophomores and who are young who are only getting bigger stronger better faster and healthier too um so to and and obviously i don't want to get ahead of myself but should hawaii go in and they're able to compete in this game and really put a scare into lsu let alone even god forbid they even upset them in the first round all of a sudden you know i talked how coach laura beeman gets a ton out of her program as it is if she could start to get some national exposure with it as well, that does a lot for a program. So that that one seed moving up is a significant move. 
Although Coach B, um, obviously she's going to get, she's already getting national exposure as a, a coach. Don't leave us. <laughs> Don't leave us, please. please. Don't leave us. Because <laughs> not only is the program, but as we see time and time again, that coaches will get the exposure that sometimes if they're looking for that next step, this would be the instance. And I'm sure she's already getting phone calls on on programs wanting to take her take her away, but Coach B, please don't leave us. Um, one one interesting thing, though, she also said in that media availability, but we didn't have it in their interview, is that this year they are actually staying uh, and traveling to Baton Rouge from Nevada. Last year they actually came home before going off to face Baylor and Waco, but this time they're going to go straight from ba- from Nevada to Baton Rouge. Uh, last year, Coach B said she wanted them to go home and feel Hawaii's love and excitement for them winning the Big West Conference title, which they hadn't done at that time since 2016. So since they've already had a chance to kind of do that and celebrate a a win last year, she wanted to make the travel a lot easier on the team and not have to deal with having to uh, change multiple time zones and coming here and going there. So they're actually going to try to get to Louisiana, I believe, tomorrow. Um, So They've been on the road this whole time, and hopefully that'll help them really get settled in far enough a time before their game on Friday. So that's another thing, too. The times have come out. Their game will be this Friday at 11.30 a.m. Hawaii time. So make sure you kind of set some time aside to watch Hawaii, you know, eventually upset LSU. But also joining and talking story with the media for just a little bit is that grad senior Callan Spiller. Uh, she begins just by talking again about her emotions after seeing Hawaii's name come up against LSU. You know, it's a continuation of last night's feelings. I think getting to represent the state and our university at the national level is super exciting. We were all thrilled by that 14 seed and to be a step above where we were last year. It's it's an honor to see our name and get to see our faces up on that screen. So we're really excited. And how much does the experience, you know, going to Baylor last year kind of help you guys getting into the mindset and preparing for uh, for this trip? We know what our preparation needs to look like in order to compete to our best ability. And, you know, we want to leave it all on that court. So we're going to be fighting hard this week, remembering our experiences at Baylor last year to bring our best basketball to Baton Rouge. Hey, Callan, kind of going off of that, you know, um, Coach B had that saying last year, right? You guys don't know what you don't know, but you guys have you guys do know now, right? You guys have been through the Big West twice. You guys are back in the big dance albeit in one one higher seed, you know, talk about using, again, just elaborating, using that experience and using, you know, she talked about also the preseason matchups too and how all these experiences have kind of gotten you guys to this point and how you guys are going to use that this week. It's been our goal all season to make it to March Madness for the second year in a row. And so it's very exciting to be in this position. As we watched that selection show, we saw a lot of familiar faces on teams we played in the preseason. So the strength of our schedule, the talent in the Big West has really prepared us for this game and for this tournament. So we're very excited to use all that experience, use what we've learned and keep fighting. We've talked about you guys go from a 15 last year to a 14. During your two years to be able to see that, you know, to help a team get back into the tournament and now in the tournament again and you guys are one step higher you know talk about that and just the progression of this program and what this does kind of setting up for years to come you know as a graduate senior I feel really lucky to be in this position coach B allowed me to join this team to help out in those ways and so to see that you know I feel like I'm really leaving a legacy is a is a personal honor but at the same time it's been so exciting to go through this experience with my teammates with the staff with this university it's been such a special experience and I cannot imagine being anywhere else 
but I'm very thankful that I'm able to say I left a program better than it was when I started. And again, that was grad senior Callan Spiller uh, talking about seeing yeah, Hawaii or being in this position again. And she also, it's cute because she also had mentioned during the interview that she has been to Louisiana when she was 15 to play in volleyball nationals, actually. But this will be her first time to Baton Rouge. And this will be her 21st state she's played a college basketball game in. So she said she keeps a tally a tally on her phone. And so this will be the 21st state for college basketball. So uh, that's just like kind of a little fun fact there. But now... Again, they'll, they'll hopefully get there by tomorrow, be able to settle in and adjust to the time change as well. And LSU, Paul and I kind of talked about it earlier. They have been, I mean, they're a big program regardless. They went 28-2 and two this year. Their losses were only to the number one overall seed and the only undefeated team in South Carolina in the regular season for the SEC. And they had a two-point loss to Tennessee in the semifinals of the SEC tournament. Uh, so they're obviously going to be a tough team to beat. We talked a little bit about Angel Reese. Their 6'3 sophomore is their leading scorer, averaging 23.4 points, 5.5 rebounds, and shooting 54% from the field. But again, it's not an imposing type of figure by by any means. Not like, um, shoot, who's the... the lady at South Carolina. Oh, Aaliyah Boston. Aaliyah, Bos- oh, Aaliyah Boston, gosh. yeah. So she's not exactly an Aaliyah Boston uh, type of threat and figure because then I would feel a bit worried about pretty much our entire team being dominated by someone like Aaliyah Boston who is projected to go number one overall in the WNBA draft. Uh, their other player to watch is 5'6 senior guard Alexis Morris averaging 15 points per game, 4.2 assists and shooting 44.6% from the field and she is actually ranked, uh, being it that she's a senior, she is ranked in around the mid-20s in most WNBA mock drafts I've seen. So Again, you know, not not any imposing players by any means that wouldn't allow us to at least have a chance. And because when they played Baylor last year, the Baylor had a player that I want to say she went top five in last year's WNBA draft. So that's kind of the difference. We're playing a Baylor and I'm like, hey, as we like to say, get chance. We get chance to get LSU. You never know. That's why they play the games. And we talked about it moving up a seed. That's what gives us this matchup with the number three instead of like the two. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Again, this Friday is Hawaii versus LSU out in Baton Rouge and 1130 a.m. Hawaii time starts. So, again, make sure you mark it on your calendars. I'm assuming it'll be on their ESPN or ESPN Plus. I haven't seen exactly where they, you can watch it, but of course, naturally, we will let you know as it gets closer. All right. When we come back, we will just talk a little bit more about looking over at some of the brackets the brackets overall both the men's and women's as we get set for the official start of March Madness woo we'll be back on wake up in the den you got a smile so bright you know you could have been a candle you're listening to wake up so in the den shy. with Kule Agbayani on the all new Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, Happy Aloha Monday, talking all about 
college basketball and recapping uh, just the incredible season that the Rainbow Wahine have had so far. Um, last wrap-up, though, when we talk about Hawaii basketball is uh, with the success that Coach Beeman has been having, it does put quite the spotlight now on the men's program. You know, a lot of, granted, I, women's basketball and men's basketball are two completely different, like, types of games and sports you, I mean you can see just the physicality and how much it takes but when you look over at the men's side like that's where I think people forget when it comes to the big west conference this season I mean games were very very closely decided even during the tournament so for everyone to kind of be like oh look see the men did so bad this year you know getting bounced in their their opening game but it was a close game and the entire season has been really, really close. I mean, they were kind of the men were battling for just the outright Big West Conference regular season winner up until the last game. So it was this year was really close, but I understand the sentiment from fans. I mean, you guys know I'm always there courtside at these men's games, but, at you know, and it's just a, it's I don't want people to get really, really crazy about like, Look at Beeman and her success. And how come the men can't have the same thing? Um, just look at this season. We did incredibly well. But now the men's program also has this momentum and him can hopefully sustain it uh, moving forward. But I know I can, I've can. i already seen the uh, you know, social media verse in terms of, oh, fire coach cannot fire everybody because how come, how come the women's program can have this success and the men can't? But if you just look back at the season... It, it was it was really close. I mean, every single game, including up until that that last that final game for the men, it could have gone either way. Yeah, that's kind of the thing, right? You they finish uh, what the fifth seed, I think it was, going into the uh, Big West tournament. Uh, I mean, what is it? Two two shots bounce their way, and all of a sudden they they're outright winners of the Big West, right? And that's how close it was this season. And Coach Gannat did talk about that consistently throughout the year. How the room for error, especially in a season like this where everybody is so bunched up and close, it can make things super tough. And it all it takes is one loss for things to completely change. And uh, unfortunately for the Bows, that's what happened. And I think part of the frustration is, uh, I, I'm sure, being bounced once again by Cal State Fullerton Blech. once again in the quarterfinal like it, it feels like <laughs> fortunately Fullerton didn't end up winning oh, as gosh, they lost yeah. to UC Santa Barbara which you know what used to me UC Santa Barbara was the best team with one of it would probably the well he was named to player of the year yeah. but with the best player in the conference so it, it, it was quite fitting so I was just happy that it wasn't Cal State Fullerton that won <laughs> yeah yeah and, and at the end of the day as well uh, I mean this is a team who I think I think part of the emotion in the loss is also that the love that Hoy had for this men's basketball team uh, with the personal connection, obviously, with Samuta Avea, with Kamaka Hepa on the roster. You know, you have these local boys who are actually on the team and not just on the team, but key components of the team. Mm -hmm. You Obviously, you want to see them go a bit farther or you expect them to go a bit farther because, you know, I, I heard the rumblings going into this year. This was the year for, you know, the Hawaii basketball team, though obviously they lose Juan Munoz uh, or Munoz, uh, obviously would have played a big role and would have knocked down some shots from the outside. And in my opinion, you know, obviously, I'm, who am I? Um, 
in my opinion, I think that would have helped a lot because oh, I, I think, think so too. the bows were just missing one extra threat from the outside, shooting the ball from the outside. And a lot of times that's uh, that's all it takes. And you need somebody to step up. You saw on the women's side, and this is not supposed to be like negative Nelly on the men or whatever, but you saw on the women's side that you know players step up. And at the end of the day, you can be a great as great a coach as you want. I mean – I, I come from New York, right, and Jim Beheim just retired. I know a lot of Syracuse fans were really, really frustrated in the past five years or so with Coach Beheim, and that's the second, according to the NCAA, second most winningest coach in <laughs> men's college basketball history. Mm-hmm. You know, So I, I think at the end of the day, you're going to get frustration with any coach. The grass is always going to be greener on oh, the other yeah. side, no matter what. Um, 100%. And I, and that's why it's funny on social media where you have people that I know they bring up Gibb and they bring up Benji Taylor. And I was like, well, uh, they don't exactly follow all the rules. So do you want to like be in trouble all the time? Although these days it's kind of like a wild, wild west with the NIL situation going on. But nonetheless, you know, you want to at least have good people that are representing the University of Hawaii. But, but yeah, again, I guess we get the frustration and coach Beeman actually that's what she gives her team credit for is that they figured out how to close out games and yes it's it's more of a player thing and it, it falls on the players and not so much the coaches because they come up with the game plan that if they the players can execute the game plan then that's what leads to wins and we see on the men's side they just could not find a way to really be able to close out these games and that was that's the biggest difference the women have figured it out they've they st- as you said, they they have players that step up when they need to step up, and unfortunately, we didn't get that from the men's side. But nonetheless, we understand the pure frustration that I and it's always going to be blame the coach first. I get it. Like I I can be the same way. I was a little like that watching them lose. But then when I you know again yeah my emotions settled down a little bit. I watched a little bit more of the game, and I'm just like you know what it's just. That that was this season in the Big West. That on the men's side, it's just the teams are just so so even evenly matched and so stacked all across the board. Because and, and this is this is the kudos to the way that the Hawaii men's team plays and the coaching job they've done. When you look at the way that they match up, like if you guys are you go to the games and especially if you were are kind of courtside level, like Hawaii is like nowhere near the athletic build that pretty much all the teams in the Big West are. But yet we are have that much more skilled and work together as a team. And that's what leads us to winning. But if you just look at pure physicality, which usually is a significant thing in men's basketball, you know, we can still be competitive, even though we're not the most athletically imposing as the other teams. Yeah, last few things for me on uh, men's basketball before I, I'm sure we'll move on a little bit. <laughs> um, one, it is part of what you sign up for when you're a coach, right? It's mm-hmm. when you are the head coach, you get all the uh, all the blame, and you'll get some of the praise as well, especially if you have prolonged uh, success, as we've seen with Coach Beeman. Beeman mm-hmm. gets the praise as she deserves. You know, she has helped push this program to the heights where it hasn't really seen before. Um, on the other side, uh, I talk a lot about how players have to make plays, right? I mean, I I want to just bring it up one more time. 18 to 4 turnovers, you know, like that coaches aren't out there throwing the ball away, right? Yeah. Like and at the end of the day, it's you got to take care of the basketball and little things like that. It, it's 
it's really, really tough. Um, and one last thing of a point to uh, what you're talking about, the athletic builds. Uh, that's kind of what I was talking about before to the point of why this is so important for the Rainbow Wahine. Because uh, recruiting is difficult. Like, you're, you are asking, like, Callan Spillard talked about it, how Beeman was recruiting her out of high school and she didn't feel ready to make that move from Seattle to the island. Um, and then once she graduated from Columbia, all of a sudden she finally felt mature enough. She felt ready to take that step. Mm -hmm. So it can be difficult to get people to come out here to the island all, and I know, you know, oh, paradise, paradise, paradise. But also at the same time, like, you know, family matters to these kids. Being able to play in front of family matters to these kids. And there are a lot of different things that go into it. So it's a lot more difficult of a job than it might seem on the outside looking in. Yeah, probably why Deja Phillips like was just playing with all the mana in the world because she was playing in her hometown, per se. That's the state that she's from. So you had a lot of people in town, but you're right. And and I, I always bring up the fact that I think it's huge of Coach Beeman. Like, not only do they stack their non-conference schedule or the preseason schedule with tough opponents, but also a lot goes into planning in the sense that she wants to guarantee or become close to guaranteeing as much as possible that they book teams and travel during kind of like that holiday uh, season and where certain players are from so that they can see their family and friends and play in front of them, at least in that preseason non-conference schedule. So again, just a testament to the type of coach and the type of woman that Coach Beeman is, is she's looking out for the kids in that sense. It's like, all right, well, you know, we play far away from your family and friends, but we're going to try our best to make sure you can at least spend time with them during the holidays and they can see you play at least one or two games uh, until we go into the conference game. So shout out to the Rainbow Wahine again. I know we said get to the brackets and of course we but you know what hey you can't talk too much about hawaii sports anyways when we come back now this second third fourth time around we will talk about the rest of the brackets uh just touching up on it as i'm sure later in the week we'll get definitely into the more details and the nitty-gritty of of both the men's and women's sides for the ncaa tournament uh we'll be back on wake up in the den Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kukule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, right here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM, AM 760, and hawaiisportsradio.com. You can also follow us on social media at High Sports Radio. I have like quite a few videos posted up there from when I was out at the tournament, including from the selection show and just the reactions and final moments of them winning. Uh, it was just, yeah, in, an incredible time being out there and supporting the men's and women's basketball teams at the Big West Conference tournament. But now we move on, looking ahead to the uh, matchups. By the way, so Hawaii faces LSU uh, this Friday and ironically the, the this is the funny part is that their draw so should Hawaii you know shock the world and beat LSU and move on uh, awaiting them would be either Michigan or UNLV 
<laughs> I thought that was funny that, wait a minute, if Hawaii wins, and UNLV, by the way, that women's basketball program did phenomenal this season as well. So just the vibe, I think they only lost like a couple of games too. So I think just the whole full circle moment, and as Paul uh, had mentioned on Twitter to a friend of his, is like, so we're just going to sit here and wait for, you know, the the ultimate Hawaii-South Carolina matchup because Hawaii's going to upset LSU. And in an ideal world, we're going to go and UNLV is going to beat Michigan. And that'll be fun. And then on the other side uh, that awaits Hawaii would be NC State or Princeton, which is where McKenna Hare came from. So, you know, Princeton's going to make it out of that other opposite bracket or below Hawaii. And it'll be Hawaii and Princeton in the Sweet 16 matchup. Um, and moving it all the way. And then, of course, Hawaii makes it on. And then they'll have more on their the number one seed on their side is Indiana. Uh, South Carolina, as we mentioned, is the number one overall seed as the defending champions and also going undefeated this this year. I mean, there's no question that they would be the number one overall seed. Uh, also getting a one seed is, you know, the team that I kind of tend to cheer for in Stanford just because I love Haley Jones. She's one of my favorite players right now. Uh on top of, of course, Aaliyah Boston, who we talked about earlier. And the other seed, which I was kind of, I mean, this is how much I wasn't paying attention to certain, you know, conferences and whatnot. The other one seed is Virginia Tech. I'm like, where did Virginia Tech come from in women's basketball? So that's pretty cool how you can see a little bit of a mix up. Also in the that Seattle three region where Virginia Tech is the one seed, you have USC who has taken on South Dakota State. Uh, They would have to play likely Virginia Tech if they should move on. Uh, Other things to point out in the bracket, let's see, we have Texas, the number four seed in the Seattle four region, taking on East Carolina. So that's kind of where we talk about wanting to get to move up even more to that type of seed where Hawaii can go to that 13-4, where you kind of see a little more upsets tend to happen around when you have some of those matchups where you have 13 and four, definitely ideally moving all the way up to like almost like a, the 10 seven thing would be ideal, but nonetheless, at least Hawaii moved up a seed and we, we, we get chance everyone. We get chance to beat LSU. Let let me, let me get a rainbow Wahine 12, five upset. One of these years that I'm still here, you know, it's just, it's just, I got feeling that that program on the rise, but this year, obviously, uh, 14 seed should be a fun one against LSU on Friday. Yeah. So again, recapping, looking over the number one seeds in the women's tournament, you have overall number one South Carolina, 32 and 0, Indiana, 27 and 3, Virginia Tech at 27 and 4, and Stanford at 28 and 5. And going over to the men's side, getting the number or the bracket seed list, you have number one overall Alabama at 29 and 5, followed by Houston, which they have had an interesting stretch where they, they kind of don't have their best player. 31 and 3, Kansas, A-O-K-A-A-U, defending national champions, and Purdue. So that. The men's tournament will be really interesting looking moving forward. And I have to kind of um, put our Alan Mia on blast a little bit. <laughs> I know he tweeted that uh, Kansas basically did get spanked by Texas in that last game uh, by 20 points. But Alan had <laughs> tweeted, he's like, not Kansas getting spanked and then still getting a number one seed. That's just how it is in like the bracketology. That's how teams get seeded. I mean, you can't knock basically... If you're the defending national champion and you didn't have a horrendous 
year this year, which Kansas did take a little bit of a, a dip, but it wasn't bad by any means. You're still going to, you know, grant getting that that a one seed in the tournament. So, again, we'll probably get into more of it when we look at just throughout this week getting through. <laughs> I hear Alan laughing, and I I don't know if that's at me calling him out. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll get into definitely more of it coming up throughout the week and it's going to be exciting yo uh coming up later today however we do have boys volleyball so we have oia uh, sports back on this evening oia boys volleyball with moana lua at or kaiser at moana lua uh it should be a really good one chaz mihara and sean chang will bring you the action sean is actually the pro city boys volleyball coach but I guess because I was like, isn't he isn't he going to be busy coaching when Chaz told me that he was going to be the color analyst tonight? But I guess it's spring break. This is what happens when you don't have any kids. I'm like, oh, it's spring break. OK, <laughs> so they had practice this morning. So Sean will be on the broadcast, which he had done a broadcast with Chaz before. And it's it's very interesting for all of you volleyball fans. Broadcast begins probably around 7 p.m. Uh, what we got over here? And Hawaii still remains at the top. All right. We were talking about men's volleyball before the show. Actually, Paul and I, as he was there, and I'm sure a lot of fans were out there. The sold out official, official sellout. Not only tickets issued, but turnstile official, official sellout this past Saturday as Hawaii beat UCLA. So Paul and I were kind of wondering where the polls would sit now that those top three teams all beat each other at least once but nonetheless the polls are smart and Hawaii stays at the top because you can't knock the defending national champions and if everybody beat each other you almost have like that advantage to being at the top Long Beach at number four as well so they're coming in Ooh, here we go people we need to pack the stand once again for when and we just don't like the beach anyways when it comes to pretty much all sports. All right. It's been a packed show for Paul Brecht. I'm Kule Ugbayani. Mahalo for listening. It's been Wake Up in the Den. Bye.